Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Fingers Crossed, the podcast with the hosts with the most. That's us. Oh <laughs> my, my name is God. Christy. And I'm Sierra. Hello. And we are back again to talk your ear off on this wonderful Tuesday or whatever day you're listening to this. But in case you weren't aware, we do post them every Tuesday. So subscribe if you're not already, and you'll know when, as soon as we release every episode every week. We are super excited to get into this episode today. There's kind of a lot to cover, so we're going to kind of hopefully breeze through our lemons and such with the intro, but it is all about the um, struggles with growing up kind of on social media and what we all go through with the problems with comparison and maybe some toxicity with social media, especially Instagram. So we just kind of want to talk about all of that, but before we do... Oh boy, do we have lemons for you this week, or at least I do. Sierra um, has a heavy lemon full of juice, so I'll go first so sorry. I don't have to follow hers. Okay. <laughs> okay, mine is literally just a minor thing that I thought of five minutes ago, so um, sorry that it's not that dramatic or life-changing. I guess this is really, like, not even a lemon of a lemon. Like, I'm embarrassed that this is my lemon. I'm sorry, it's just one of those weeks where... Say lemon one more time. Lemon. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so last week, or over the weekend... I, what day is it? Was this this week? Yeah, that was the weekend. Wow. Today time is, is flying. Thursday. Yes. So this past weekend, I was trying to steam something and I don't have a steamer here. And I was like, oh, I'll just use the old shower trick. Mm-hmm. So I closed the door, hung the item, but like right in front of the shower and just put it on super hot and ran the shower for like 10, 15 minutes. So it would steam up the room. This is a life hack, but beware of where you're fucking... <laughs> Beware of where your fire detector is if you... Um, fire detector? You mean a smoke detector? Yes, but it also detects fire. I know. I've just never hold anyone call, heard anyone call it that. Fire alarm, some people say. Yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it detects I like, many things. I like fire detector. Okay. It makes me picture someone with like those detectors on the beach that's like going over the sand. It's like, beep, fire, 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 fire. <laughs> anyway, so I let that go for like 15 minutes and then I opened the door and I was like, oh, it is steamy. It was like literal puddles of water. Not that bad. I'm being dramatic. But it was very steamy. And so I took the clothing out and I was like, okay, this is great. And I left the door open because I was like, great, you know, air it out. Let the steam free. Yeah, <laughs> let it free. This is my grand error. Anyway, so suddenly, a few minutes later, it wasn't immediate, but a few minutes later, the smoke detector starts blaring. And this is at like 11 p.m. in this building. And it's just in my apartment. It's not like a whole building. But it was just like, bam, bam. Like, I don't want to, you know... We'll, we'll imagine you're there, yeah. So it's blaring and blaring and blaring, and I'm freaking out, and I'm getting on a stool, and I'm like stabbing it with a, where the button is, and I'm holding the button, and I'm pressing it, and nothing's happening, and I'll hold it for 10 seconds, nothing's happening, and I can't get it to turn off, and it's not one of those as batteries. Anyway, so it's this whole fiasco. Honestly, not that big of a deal, but I was freaking out in the moment because I hate being that person because I know that you can hear everything from other units too. Mm-hmm. So I knew that I was like that bitch in the building who had the fire alarm going off for five minutes. I swear to God, it felt like five years but i think it just automatically turned off once i like the steam had cleared but just a pro tip well first of all don't install smoke detectors right outside a bathroom because steam can set it off and it's a false alarm and second of all i was not aware that it was there and third of all i'm just stupid but it was going off for so long that my ears were legitimately ringing afterwards until i feel like you just left a nirvana concert and ever since then i've been so careful about any sort of steam or anything in the vicinity. So yeah, that was my lemon. Really nothing consequential at all. But That's the lemonade so is my clothes got steam. <laughs> yeah, I never... I've had set up the smoke alarm for my cooking numerous times. Yeah. But I've never done it for... And usually steam. when you press the button, it turns it off. So I don't know why it was not responding to my, bushin, my button pushing. 
My you know, potion. that's also a lemonade. You had yeah. steam clothes and there was no fire. True. False, um, false alarm is I need to get you alarm. one of the... I have a mini steamer. It's called, like, my mini steamer. I mean, I have a steamer, but I just didn't bring it with me on the plane to come here. Right. So but like, you can get one. They're, like, nineteen ninety nine. Like, Like, they're, like little portable guys yeah like, no i have one oh you do too, okay i wasn't was sure if i was you had like, like the, i'm not gonna need it yeah i always i take it every time i go on a trip or on vacation i oh, always really? bring my steamer oh yeah because like clothes in your suitcase they get so wrinkled and i hate ironing i love steaming because i don't like having to pull out the ironing board and then it always does that like creaky thing and then you have to like do the thing and it's just wow like, your life is really tough <laughs> i mean i'm just saying i would prefer taking my tiny little steamer with me everywhere i, I go than the one time I did run into trouble with taking it overseas and then you have to do a, like electrical conversion with different like oh, I wattages did and it can cause things yes. to melt because of the different... Con- I brought mine yeah. to Europe when I was living in Geneva last summer and the first time I plugged it in, even with a converter, it was just like... And it just died. It just fused and died. <laughs> yeah, that can definitely happen. You have to do like a watt calculate calculation of like wattage of and all of that so but anyway we won't be traveling for a long time so nothing we have to worry about <laughs> a long periodically time my like lemon yeah I, i've told this story to enough people it's gonna be in my vlog it's on my social media and i just don't want to hash out all the details again because it's truly painful but essentially essentially i just said essentially. essentially essentially what happened is my laptop just quit on me and something happened in the hard drive where it's either a problem with the hard drive or the cable that connects the motherboard to the hard drive but essentially we don't know which one it is if it's one of those problems then my data will be recoverable and it will be okay you just gotta replace the cable if it's the other then i'm gonna pretty much lose all my data and i don't have a backup on my computer that's more than like two or three years old. So I'm going to lose a ton of important documents, videos, software, data, you name it. So, um, and I just happened at a really inopportune time and not having, oh, and the place I'm getting it repaired at, they're very backed up with laptops, um, but they're great. They're really highly reviewed and were recommended by Apple. Um, But I'm not going to get my laptop back for four to six weeks. And it's not even that I'm not going to get it back for four to six weeks. I'm not going to know which of the issues it is, whether or not my data is savable for four to six weeks. So I just kind of have to sit in limbo. So essentially what I'm going to do is mentally and emotionally and spiritually prepare myself for the worst that I'm going to lose all my data and I'm going to have to buy a whole new computer like with my savings. That's essentially where I'm at as far as what I'm like going to accept. And then if it's anything better than that, where my data is saved, I don't have to buy a new computer, I just have to buy a few new parts, that's just going to be good news. So yeah. that's kind of where I'm preparing Manage myself. Expectations. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to prepare for the worst of everything and kind of mentally accept that that's going to happen. And then if it ends up not being that, I will be pleasantly surprised. So okay. that's that's where I'm at. But thankfully, the major, major lemonade of this is that my boyfriend, Jason, also has the same model of MacBook Pro as I do. And he is going to essentially let me share it for the foreseeable future, which is so gracious of him, especially because he's in online school right now getting his master's. So he obviously is on his computer doing a lot of work every day. But essentially, he said I can use his laptop. I don't have to like ask, but I can use it at any time that he's not using it. That's a godsend because like I got a self-tape audition today, like for a commercial and if I didn't have his laptop, I would have had no way to use, like, I couldn't have edited it. You would I mean, have just done, like, a one take on your iPhone and emailed it. <laughs> I, that's pretty much what I would have had to do. And I, But, I mean, 
I always like make myself tapes in like iMovie or whatever and then at least cut the things together to cut out the fluff or like the part where you're setting up and pressing record or like any, <laughs> you know, so it would have been really difficult and like I can't even imagine editing on iMovie on my phone. Like, I mean, it's I hard. I've tried it before. Yeah, yeah, so have I. It's just, it's very difficult. So, so my lemonade is I have a laptop I can use and I can share and we're just going to prepare for the worst and hope for the best hope for the best and that's, that's truly the theme of our podcast. that is the <laughs> motto of fingers crossed y'all so it is essentially your fingers are definitely crossed for this one my fingers my toes my eyes i mean every part of your body that you can cross has been crossed um but that was too long for the title of this podcast so we just went with fingers crossed instead. true also if you're listening to this right now Stop, drop, and roll, and back up your computer. Oh on my time gosh! <laughs> back up your computer. Do a time machine backup. Get an external hard drive. Like they have some that are less expensive that are like a terabyte or whatever. And you yeah, can... now terabytes are so common that you can get like multiple terabytes for not too expensive. No, anymore. yeah, I don't even remember how much mine was, but it wasn't like exorbitant. And so get an external hard drive. Back up your computer to time machine, and then either back up your phone to um, your computer or back it up to. Um... Don't back it up to iCloud because that's how I got hacked. But that's a story for another day. <laughs> well, I mean, all my stuff is backed up to iCloud. Well, let's hope you don't get hacked. I hope not, because that would be a cherry topper on top of all of this. So is that also your fingers crossed? Is that it works? Yeah, I guess my fingers crossed. I mean, what else am I looking forward to? Um, I'm looking forward to, after we're done recording this episode, to baking gluten-free pumpkin bread and uh, trying our pumpkin beverages and painting pumpkin crafts. You know we're what? we're going to do a bunch of fall stuff. The day that this episode comes out, September 22nd, is the very first day of fall. Oh my gosh. So that's my fingers crossed for next week is that it's going to be fall. And I'm so excited because fall is my favorite season. And we talked all about that. In our last episode. our last episode, for but sure. But wait, no, how is it going to feel any different for you on September 22nd than waking up on September 21st? The weather's going to be the same. It's a state of mind. The stuff that's going to be in the stores is the same. I mean, to me, by that definition it's fall now yeah so it's a state of mind, i mean like i already said. put baby pumpkins over every visible horizontal surface in my apartment so so like i said at the beginning we're kind of gonna just focus on the culture of social media that's in our society especially for our age group i feel like we're at an interesting age where we didn't necessarily like grow up on instagram or on social media in the sense that kids now do like yeah it was new when we were in late high school yeah instagram wasn't even mainstreamed to like it wasn't a monetizable platform when we were in high school and I feel like Mm -hmm. now that that's changed it's such a different dynamic for teenagers especially and like young kids who are on the internet and everything and it's just completely different so now we have that perspective and we've like grown up with it in some ways but not the same like I feel like we just came in at a very interesting time that it's integrated into our lives but it's not like we didn't, I don't know, it's not from day one, like it was in our yeah. hands. No, I'm thinking back on that, like the kinds of things I was posting, like senior year of high school, freshman year of college, were very much like the funny filtered ones, there's weird updates on my life, like with my besties going to get ice cream. And like, there wasn't you know, a second thought of, should I post this? Yeah, or Is like, it gonna have I feet? edited it? Oh my gosh, my teeth aren't white enough, let me swipe some whitening. Like it was, there's nothing of that was in the consciousness it was like editing apps didn't even exist no it was literally just whatever filters were on the actual instagram app like kelvin and there was one called sierra i remember that and then there was uh like what is one of the v vienna like vi 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 well there's like a vibrant and then this doesn't matter matter. (laughs) no valencia that was it. Say it louder. Sorry. People in the back. I just remembered. Valencia. Yeah, classic. So yeah, but growing up for us was very different. So I think 
one question we can say to kick this off, which is when did you realize that social media was really starting to be a major influence on your life or your choices and actions? Cause for me, that was definitely not like high school, early college. That was like way later. So do you have hmm. something that comes to mind for that? I mean, mine is a little bit different from Sierra's even because when I was in high school, I mean, it wasn't like Instagram had been that. It hadn't blown to the proportions that it is now, but YouTube definitely as a social media platform right. was like pretty popular then and gaining steam. And for me, like when I was a senior in high school, it was a very big part of my life and it did influence my life choices and decisions. But also I feel like YouTube then still wasn't as much about image and it wasn't as much about creating a narrative and like doing things for the sake of the content it was all about just like filming your life and doing makeup tutorials for fun and like mm -hmm. trying products because they look like fun I don't know it was just everything was for fun and it, it was less for, curated yeah it wasn't yeah. curated it wasn't for money it wasn't as strategic I guess is what I would say so I think when it started I don't know like I noticed when I was in high school that social media was a big influence on my life because I was like making friends from it and going to events from it and I you know, chose to go to college in Southern California because of it. So mm -hmm. it was, but not in the same way that I guess it is now. Like, I think when you think about, you know, your choices based on social media, you're kind of thinking about like people who go out of their way and do things just to post it, you mm -hmm. know? And then that wasn't the case. It was kind of just like, it was this new exciting thing that I loved, but it was still like a passion and I did make choices around it, but not, I think it was still like well-intentioned, I guess. Yeah, but you weren't as well... It was more like, oh, I'm going to make this video because I want to do this versus like thinking about like, what's the smartest thing? What's going to get me the most traction? What's yeah. going to get the most likes? What's going to get the most clicks? It was just like, I want to do this video about this or I want to. That's how it was for me with because I didn't do YouTube at all until I met Christy. I had never made a YouTube video. I didn't even you have. You didn't watch them really, did you? No, I didn't. I wasn't a YouTube kid. I, I mean, I grew up very like different. I went to kind of an alternative private school. So I, I was kind of anti-media for a lot of part of my life. But um, the one YouTube video or, or YouTuber, I guess, that I watched in high school was Jenna Marbles. I really liked Jenna Marbles and I stumbled upon her on accident. And I remember being in my Spanish class in like 10th grade <laughs> and showing... It was the, one of the iconic Jenna Marbles the videos. That's like, um, yeah, how to the face to make when you yeah, don't how to make talk people to go away, like when you don't want to talk to them. And it had the yeah. face in it, and it had all of her other. And I mean, I watched it before my Spanish teacher came into the room with my friend, and I remember that like we were almost peeing ourselves laughing so hard. And I was like, is this what YouTube is? Like, this is great. Like, she this is, is so iconic. But that and didn't she just quit this year? I Did think, you hear yeah, about that? Like it, recently, mm -hmm. full circle, man. Yeah. Anyway, God, I mean, but it is God like, bless Jenna Marble. She, yeah. she was funny. But I, yeah. A I, different landscape than it was then. Very different landscape. Um, and I feel like even with her videos, like she would just make funny things that, funny ideas that came into her head. And I'm mm -hmm. sure she planned them out and did them. But like she would talk in funny voices about her dogs. And I mean, I just feel like that kind of content is hard to find these days. Just like people kind of just like doing whatever is funny. And then yeah. people, like it's, everything is so, like it's hard to find a YouTube video that doesn't have like, sponsored by this brand or like you know and I mean you get it's understandable because if you can make money from something you would do anyway it's like why not make a living out of it like I get it but then there becomes this point where it veers from being authentic content to veering into being totally sponsored content and you see somebody like you know a uh, let's say 18 year old girl like doing a sponsorship for AARP and you're like wait a minute that doesn't make sense so <laughs> I feel like it definitely 
There's a line. There's a line that's getting crossed a lot these days, like in a way that it was not used to. Yeah. So that's definitely different. Because I think that just makes a difference with any sort of, you know, societal trend or especially like a business. Well, not business, but any sort of, once you can monetize something, it changes the entire dynamic of it. Like, honestly, and that's why early YouTube and social media and Instagram, where we use the filters on there, like, it didn't, there, it was inconsequential, and it wasn't like you had to think about your profit, and I think that's the problem. It's, it's hard because it's just inescapable at this point. Like, it's just, like, capitalism, basically. Like, you can't get away from it, even if you're anti-it, you know? It's yeah. just oh, yeah, that's... woven into the fabric of our society. So, it's tough. It's like... You can blame like, oh, I miss the old YouTube and everything, but it's just inevitable that when money gets involved, like it does become more strategic and people are always thinking about the like end profit, which isn't the case for everyone, obviously. And this is a very like, not everyone who has social media thinks that way either, but I think that's why the culture of it has changed a lot. Totally. And something that I always say about social media is when I have told people that as an actor, like I get asked in auditions, like about my follower counter, I've gotten oh, asked really? about, yeah, I've gotten asked about, um, people on Instagram that have reached out to me, like brands or um, even like commercial random things that like opportunities that will like be interested in me strictly because I have more followers than like your average Joe. Yeah. And so people- So the value gets kind of warped in a way. It does. And so to me, it's not even like, oh, well, I want more followers because I want to be popular or I want more likes or I want validation. For me, like, I want to grow my Instagram for literally my brand and my business and my acting career. Mm -hmm. And people always say like, oh, well, I just hate Instagram and I don't want to be a part of it. Like, yeah, I'm an actor, but like, I just, I, I don't want to buy into the whole Instagram thing. And I'm like, yeah, you can hate the game, but you have to be a player in the game if you want to play. Yeah. And that's kind of how I view it with myself is like, sometimes I get, overwhelmed with Instagram and I get overwhelmed with social media and feel like, oh, I got to get content. I got to keep up. And, you know, I could just be like, okay, well, F it. I'm going to throw my hands up. I'm going to, you know, detox or take some time off my Instagram. But by doing that, I would be actively hurting my brand and my career. Not even my brand. It's like an influencer or whatever that is. I mean, more like my acting like platform. As entertainment like, as a whole. Your yeah. Brand. Like entertainment as a whole. Like, and I keep up my YouTube channel primarily for that reason and like I really like making videos but I and I don't do it as my main career thing being a YouTuber but by keeping up YouTube and keeping up Instagram and keeping myself an online presence I there's a direct correlation with how much I post on YouTube Twitter and Instagram and how many opportunities I get yeah. it's a direct correlation because people want someone who's got a platform. But that's the thing. It's like, it's all about them wanting to benefit their production by getting your followers, like, buy it, you know? Oh, yeah, because if I got cast in a, say, national commercial, I would be posting the crap out of it. I mm -hmm. would be like, oh my gosh, check out this commercial, check out this. I'd be posting about it on my YouTube video, maybe like, on my way to the blah, blah, blah commercial, shooting this and that, you know, obviously within the grounds of what I'm allowed to post, um, or with short films and stuff like that. Obviously, why wouldn't you want that as a casting director or a producer? Because it's free publicity. Mm -hmm. It's publicity that they do not have to pay for because I'm going to talk about it anyway. Yeah. Versus them putting up a billboard or me making an Instagram story that gets 5,000 views about my new movie. Right. Like, it's free. So I get it. But it's really hard when you feel like it's 
there's all these toxic things about it too that can be really hard on your validation, your self-esteem, your sense of self. That, but if you don't participate in it, you're losing a chance in this very competitive game. So that's why it's just hard is that it's the personal that's become so intertwined in the business where that's why it's like, you know, with social media influencers or whatever you want to call it. I know everyone hates that word, but just for the sake of talking about it, it's like your who you are as a person and what you do for fun is your business in the way that you share it. And so it's like, where do you draw the line of where you're getting your value if it's people? You know what I mean? Like you can't separate yourself. It's not like going to a job and coming home and mm -hmm. then like having your personal life. It's like to an extent, your personal life is your it's just very blurred lines. So I get that it's hard when it's like, okay, but my, I feel like my value as an actress isn't as seen in my acting skills as it is like they just want yeah. more clout, whatever, more followers 100%. attached to it. So I mean, it's that's, frustrating. I found out, I won't say names, but I found out like three days ago that this insanely famous TikToker with no acting experience is getting the lead role in a new feature film. Everyone's going to know what you're talking about. <laughs> Well, even I know who you're talking I about. I don't even have TikTok. But I'm not, I'm not here to trash certain TikTokers. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like, it sells, you know? Of course it does. And they're going to get, because that person is a superstar, they're going to get tons and tons and tons of publicity and mm -hmm. fans and people who want to watch it because they love that person. And that person could literally have never taken an acting class, doesn't know what Meisner, Stanislavski, Strasberg, none of that stuff. They, they don't know. Not that you're bitter about it. <laughs> no, I'm not bitter about it at all. I'm just saying that that's... It's tough because it feels like the people who really are in it for the art and really enjoy acting and are passionate about it for what it is, like that gets lost in the mix when followers become more valuable than your skills in 100%. acting. And that's exactly what it is. So you can hate the game but you still got to be a player in it if you want to compete. Yeah. And it's it's hard. So moving on with that, one of the things with the question I just asked you about when I started realizing that social media was starting to be a major influence in my life was I would say late college um, and less so for my career, but more so just how it was affecting my lifestyle because I would notice that I would have a really hard time being fully present at events, like say they were like sorority events or like going to a pumpkin patch or going with my friends to a, a carnival or like whatever it was. Yeah. I was not fully present until I knew I got a good picture. Oh, that's the most like, like nails on a chalkboard. Like everyone knows that feeling, but yeah. it's still just like you want to punch yourself in the face. Of for course even, you like, do. But I mean, I, I'm here to be honest. So I'm going to say honestly what it was is like, I would dress up really cute and do my makeup really cute, not necessarily because I wanted to be cute there or I wanted to see and be seen, but it was more so because I needed, I wanted to get a good picture. So and it I kind wanted, of is see and be seen, but it's just moved online. Yeah, exactly. And so, but that feeling, and, and it's, it is a nails on the chalkboard kind of feeling where say we got to the event, we went to the carnival and we took, we spent the first 20 minutes posing, taking turns, switching the phones and getting these super cute pictures in front of the Ferris wheel. And I would flip through them and I would see, I got one. That's the one I'm going to post. I could like get this wash of relief that I could put my phone away and enjoy the rest of the event. Hmm. And that the self-awareness of that feeling came later when I started realizing what that was, because I would also, on the other hand, get to the end of the event and realize I hadn't gotten a picture and it was something I had like dressed up like wanting to post from this event and I hadn't gotten a picture yet. And I would feel stressed like, oh, well, we've got to get pictures before we go. I need mm -hmm. something to post. And it it definitely is kind of like a ew when you hear someone say that. But like, I'm sure other people relate to that. Like it's, it's just a fact of someone who like 
wants to have cute content on their Instagram, whether it's for their friends, cute boys or girls, like just whatever. It's It's a sign that it's become an addiction when it's like it's weighing on you and your subconscious and you like, I don't know, like it's it's tough because you know that you don't want to be that way, you know, like Mm -hmm. you hear it and you're like, oh, I wish that wasn't me. But at the same time, you're like, okay, but I do want to like keep up with this and like it is part of my brand and all this. So it's just a really tough push and pull. Like I feel like everyone to an extent, I don't know. I just feel like there's no one that's like, I love posting everything and always being in my phone and you know, like Mm -hmm. no one wants to be that way, but it's just become so normalized and so expected. And it's a lot of like putting that on yourself too. Like you might think that it's external pressure and to an extent it is, but it's also like you telling yourself what you should be doing when in reality, like no one's going to notice if you don't post a picture from, like, one thing you went to. No, so it's, like, it's so in your true. head, too. It's tough. But it's, yeah, I, I definitely just know that feeling of, like, oh, like, I've got a good, I've got a good picture already. So, relief. So I can relax. I can, I can mm-hmm. actually, like, be, pre- I can put my phone away in my bag and not take it out for two hours. Or once I've gotten a couple Instagram stories of these cute pumpkins, now I can put it away and go, you know, I don't have to, like, have it out all the time. Like, it's, it's just... It definitely does feel like an addiction and that if you're doing something that's cute, you need to show the world that you're doing something cute. And you never even stop and think like, why? You never stop and think like, do people actually care about this? You're just like, oh, this is so cool. Like, I need to share it. And it's just like, it's just caught up in this hamster wheel almost of like constantly posting things and making sure people know that you're like having fun and doing these things with your life and blah, blah, blah. When in reality, like... It's all in your head, too. No, I had this social media manager for a while that was like, oh, you need to be posting at least five stories a day because if you don't post at least one, five stories a day, like, people forget about you. And I was like, okay. Yeah, that's tough, too, when it's like people, if you're in the social media, quote unquote, business, it's like when you hear from other people, like, I remember when I was in college and everyone on YouTube was doing these, like, crazy, oversaturated, jump cutty, DIY over the top curated videos. And my manager was telling me, she's like, look at this person that I manage. She's done this, this, and this, and she's gotten this many followers and made this much money from it. You need to be doing this, this, and this if you want to be relevant right now. And I'm like, I don't like this. Like, this isn't me. And so I never really got into that. Like, I kind of dabbled in those kind of videos, but it just was, it was faking it. And I didn't like making those. So it's like, you you get pushed to posting things that you don't actually care about or wouldn't actually do on your day-to-day life because you want it to appear a certain way or you want to get to a certain goal with it. And that's not a healthy way to live. Like, I think, I don't know, again, easier said than done, but in theory, like, I would rather just be living my life however I would normally and just be posting things because of that rather than going and doing things for the sake of posting them, you know? Yeah, that's always the goal. Yeah. But, like, for example, I mean, we... uh went to a pot a space last weekend that we booked for the purpose of getting pictures for our instagram but i think the advantage of doing that is that we booked a space we brought outfits it was essentially like a photo shoot but that now like when we hang out and do all these things we're not pressured to get pictures of every single thing we do because we have a bunch that we did for that purpose that we paid for and got those that content so now maybe we can do more like hangouts and going and doing things that we don't necessarily need to post about you know what i mean like and yeah so that was just for me circling back the full like not being fully present like being kind of on in the internet world and kind of in the real world while you're like doing stuff to get pictures just kind of made me realize that like this world influences me significantly Mm -hmm. and then further when I started doing YouTube and like growing my acting business and all of that that it's actually become 
a staple for my career. And I have considered making a set, because I know a lot of celebrities have a second Instagram account that's like their personal, that's like private. They only have their friends and family follow. Mm -hmm. So they can actually like post what they're doing that's like, you know, walking their dog, getting pumpkins, like making soup, like whatever they want that's the minutia of their day, you know, that's not just to show the world. I think the problem a lot, especially on Instagram that we want to talk about is comparing yourself to other people. And like we said with that, you know, wanting to post all these fun things you're doing and make it seem like your life is exciting, even if it's subconscious that you're doing that, it leads to this whole everyone, you know, like the, this is a common thing about people talking about the highlight reel. Like that's Mm -hmm. what Instagram is, is that people are just posting the good things, the happy times, the pictures where they look the best out of, they probably took like maybe a hundred pictures of themselves, like standing there wasting their time, but they picked the one picture where they look like really good or maybe they edited it, like whatever. And then you're seeing that over and over from all these people in your life, in the world that you don't know. Mm -hmm. And it just creates this like subconscious narrative in your head that everyone is doing so great and you're just like not in comparison at all. Like you can't even compare to them. And it's very damaging over time, especially if it's like, like you can tell yourself, okay, but this is just their highlight reel. But at the same time, you're still gonna look through and like get that feeling of like, wow, I wish I was doing that or like feeling inferior because I wish I looked that way. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I remember I had this realization, um, and this sounds kind of bad, but I had this realization when there is somebody who I follow on Instagram who posts very beautiful pictures and I've always thought they're just like so beautiful. Do you know them? I do, um, but not well. And I hadn't seen that person in a really long time. And I, but I still follow them and I see their posts and whatever. And then by some circumstance, we were in the same place at the same time. And I saw them in person and they looked nothing like their pictures. You like didn't recognize them? I mean, I recognized them. I knew who they were, but their skin looked different. Their hair looked different. Their body size was different. And... I don't think who they are naturally is ugly or bad in any sense. But the person I had been comparing myself to was the person that they had been posting the pictures of. And those super white teeth, the super tan, acne-free, perfect skin, super tiny waist, big boobs, like whatever people curate themselves to be. But that's who I was comparing myself to. And that's just one example. Mm -hmm. That like people have the power with whatever editing apps are out there. And I'm not going to lie. I've edited my photos. I've whitened my teeth. I've like done the little eye brighten thing that makes your eyes look brighter. Like I'm not going to lie. I've done that on my photos. I think a lot of people have. It's, But it's because you do that because you just feel like you've got to keep up. It's like an arms race. Yeah, you have to like if you post a picture that's like totally unedited and has no up the saturation, up the brightness, you know, change the contrast, whatever. It looks drab compared to everything that's on your feed. So it becomes like a who can be better, who can have the most professional, beautiful, whatever looking photo. But that moment for me was a little bit just, I'm saying eye-opening because I was like, here's a like firsthand example of somebody who is presenting themselves differently online than they are in real life. But also that's it's tough because most of the, well, not most, but a lot of times, like, you don't get that luxury of seeing the real life. Of, no, you If don't. you're following, you know, celebrities or big influencers or people that you're never actually going to meet or very rarely, you, you're just seeing their edited self and you're not ever comparing in person to, like, what they maybe aren't portraying right or whatever. And it's tough because you're always comparing that 
and it's hard to keep in mind that, well, they might have done this, this, and this, blah, blah, blah. Um, but also, it's hard because I feel like people's Instagram selves are their idea in their head. Like, it's such a personal idea of them wanting to be that of themselves, and it's their insecurities that they're doing. Like, I have friends where I see that they whiten their teeth in pictures all the time, and I'm just like, why? Like, you don't need to. Your teeth are not yellow, but it's just... you calling me out right now? No, but I just... <laughs> I mean, anyone that does that, it's just... It's, it's a personal thing and you can, you know, think, oh, that's weird that she edits her pictures, whatever. And you can, even if you, well, I, I definitely don't think you should approach people about it. You should never say like, why did you edit your picture that way? Because yeah, it's not about you. It's about their insecurities and you're not going to change their insecurities by calling them out and saying, this is fake. Like it's their deep seated, just don't mess with it. Like I went through a time in my life where I, I mean, I've made a video on YouTube, like reacting to my old Facetune selfies from like when I was, you know, probably at my heaviest and my Instagram looked nothing like that and it was so warped and all my friends knew about it, but I didn't care. It was just like me projecting that insecurity and people will always warp what they think they need to be portraying themselves as on Instagram. And it's a weird thing and it's kind of just like a psychological, I don't know, I think it's just evolved with Instagram and with the prevalence of it in our society and how that's how you present yourself to the world now. Like, like mm -hmm. you were saying, like, it's not like you go to parties and want to be seen and see people there it's like you want to see and be seen on instagram of you being there yeah and so that's like who you are online is you're trying to portray your best self a lot of the time even a best self that you aren't you do, that doesn't even real. exist yeah. yeah it's like a best self that like your idolized version of yourself like oh well if i was perfect this is how i would look and then you like make yourself to be that online yeah and i'm not trying to justify or saying that editing is okay and we should normalize it because it's not like it is a pretty weird thing that everyone does, but I am saying that there is a reason why. But it's definitely, it's so prevalent and it's so common. And I just think it is before you want to go and compare yourself and you, you know, you can see like, oh, all these pictures of these people are so beautiful and perfect and wow, they look amazing. But the reality is, is what they could really look like or what that photo could really look like or how many other photos were taken to get that photo is, it could be... A little bit catfishy. It could be it's a like little bit fabricated. Yeah, so just keep that in mind. A, a pyramid where the rest of it's underwater. It's like one of those like iceberg pictures. Yeah, you exactly. Know? Like the amount of, or like, I mean, we could get into posing all day long about how, you know, this new trend is coming out right now about like posed versus unposed. And sometimes I see somebody who's like super, super fit, like a fitness model and like super thin doing like a posed versus unposed. I'm like, okay, you look the same. Like, yeah, this is Yeah, I don't fine. know. Those are like kind of cringy to me. But some it's like... I've seen are really good. Yeah. I've seen some where, especially the difference of like wearing like a swimsuit, like over your hip bones versus under them. And then like how mm -hmm. they stand and the difference it makes, like it look, makes somebody look 20 pounds lighter or heavier. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy, but obviously you know, that person in their regular life can't be posed in these perfect ways when they're going there every day angle to day. when they're walking down the street, yeah. Exactly, but when you see that photo in that perfect pose with the perfect lighting and the perfect uh, style of swimsuit on their body or whatever, you don't visualize their every day-to-day -day look. You visualize them looking like that all the time. Yeah. And that's what we see, and that's why it is... You essentially just can't take anything on Instagram at face value. It just, you can't take anything at face value. You have to, not that you should never trust anyone or anything that anyone posts, but you got to put a grain of salt in everything you see. Yeah. Also, I just want to say that, like, we're not trying to say that every person in the world edits their pictures or anything. Like, I'm, I'm sure my 
Aunt Jan, like, doesn't no, touch No, no, no. Or, but... like, we're not saying, like, everyone needs to or anything. Um, just kind of, like, the broader social media world, especially if you get sucked into following a bunch of, like, Instagram models. And or, like, celebrities. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, but it's, I don't know. Another thing that goes with that that I think can be tough is, in addition to editing, is just people, like, celebrities or, like, I don't know, just rich people who have a lot of money who get plastic surgery and then you're comparing yourselves to them when they might not even say like some people are totally open about it and they're like oh yeah like I got a nose job like whatever and they're open about it and I think that's a different story but when you're like looking at all these pictures I think of just young girls I think now at our age like we can tell kind of when someone's like gotten work done oh sure or you know it's like we we look at it with that grain of salt but a 14 year old girl isn't necessarily scrolling through and like looking at Kylie Jenner's Instagram thinking like, why don't my hips look like that? Why yeah. don't my lips look like that? You know, it's uh, it definitely, especially with people that don't talk about it or act as if it's like something they were born with. And then this young girl looks at herself and says, well, why am I not born like that? And well, the reality is this other person wasn't born with it either. Yeah, they were you really, know? really expensive surgeries that got them to look like that. So it's, it's tricky because, I don't know, it's not like everyone has this um obligation to preach about what they've gotten done and blah 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 but it's it's just like again that blurred line of where do you draw the line of like it makes it seem like it's everywhere when you see it on social media mm -hmm. when in reality like that's not the case and you don't need to look like that to be like pretty or whatever but over time like those images really do affect people and especially young people who are more impressionable yeah so that's tough so i know a lot of this has probably sounded kind of negative and downer so i'm gonna twist it a little bit now and say something positive that i think has changed in the uh picture and posting and um modeling industry and that is the growing popularity of unretouched and unedited modeling photos in editorials and in um like clothing advertisements mm -hmm. especially like airy for example is one that comes to mind what is their campaign called like airy real or something? airy real or something like that yeah where they don't retouch any of their models their underwear swimsuits they have feature women of all colors and all sizes and they featured some differently abled women and i just think that like seeing a swimsuit or underwear when you're shopping on a girl and you see on her butt there's some cellulite like that makes me want to buy their underwear 10 times more because I'm like I have cellulite on my butt like we're Twins. the same like I'm it not, does make such a difference just I'm to not see ugly it. like yeah yeah I'm you know because it's been the norm for so 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 long that all models have been like thin and tall tall and airbrushed like you don't see a single dimple on their skin i remember when i was shopping for victoria's secret swimsuits like back in sixth grade or whatever i remember like seeing a badly retouched picture of this girl modeling this swimsuit and like the line of her butt like where your butt creases onto your thigh had been blurred out so her butt just like <laughs> seamed into her thigh and i was like okay that what? doesn't even make sense anatomically <laughs> like that doesn't so anyway my point is, is I think a lot of these real campaigns and getting unretouched images um, and natural different sized models is growing. And I think that is so awesome. And I'm hoping that that will start to trend the way of that social media will trend that way as well. I think it already has a little bit. Like yeah. I've seen more about people like going out, like you said, like the pose versus unpose, or it's all about who you follow too. Like if you just follow people that like 
airbrush everything and are super, you know, conscious of the image and everything. That's one thing, but there are, there is a whole community of people that are, you know, trying to portray images of different types of bodies and different, you know, things like cellulite and normalizing those things mm -hmm. that have so often been like, not taboo, but you know, just like hidden by mm -hmm. traditional media and everything. I think it's, it's good, but it's, it's a slow going process is the thing. And everyone is contributing to it as well. Like, even if you're not thinking about it, like when you do upload that, you know, warped selfie or whatever it is, like you are perpetuating, you are having your followers see that and think that they need to do the same thing. So it's like a domino effect. Mm -hmm. And when, like, when I see a picture of someone who posts and they don't even mention it, it's not like a whole, this is my real body post. It's just a picture of them where it's like, yeah, they have cellulite. It's, it's kind of like reassuring, yeah. you know? It makes a big difference. And I think the images that we see constantly do affect us subconsciously mm -hmm. and do make us either feel good or bad about ourselves or make us like want to or not share certain parts of ourselves. And it's all about just kind of like lifting each other up in solidarity by posting those things and being okay with yourself. And that'll inspire someone else, I think. Yeah. So it's it's great that like big companies on huge billboards like in New York and other cities and everything are shifting more towards that inclusion mm -hmm. um but it's on us too to everyone like being able to portray the real version of themselves and yeah etc so definitely and it's we're i'm not gonna easier said than done. yeah i'm not gonna <laughs> deny that it's hard nobody wants to post a picture of themselves that they find unflattering and i'm not saying that you have to go out of your way to make yourself uncomfortable and post something mm -hmm. of you that's not flattering like obviously we all know our good side of our face we all know our good angles we know what colors look best on us like those are just facts but i definitely want to make a better effort to edit less and to care a little bit less and to you know go to events and make a better effort to be fully present and you know if I don't get a picture oh well or if I get five pictures and none of them are perfect oh well I'll pick from one of the slightly imperfect photos you know just mm -hmm. being a little bit less taking a little pressure off yourself yeah like just being a little bit less anal about everything you know what I mean <laughs> just like trying to realize that you can still be a player in this game that I've mentioned but take a little bit of the pressure off yourself to be perfect because the reality is, is we can't be perfect mm -hmm. and we won't be perfect. Something that I wanted to say, and, and I, there's a question on this later, so maybe I'll get into more of that later about, you know, following the people that make you happy, like, and make you feel like a better version of yourself. Like, if you can remove, I had to unfollow a couple like influencers or, um, celebrities that I used to follow because their life was so glamorous and I would always be like wow they're so glamorous and cool and they have all this money and fancy boats and they have their bodies are perfect and I like following them because I like I don't know vicariously living through them I suppose but every time I saw their posts I felt bad about myself mm -hmm. every single time and I was like you know what I'm gonna unfollow them for a couple weeks and I did and I never looked back yeah and I was like you know what like it wasn't sure. adding anything to your life. No, really. all it did is made me feel jealous and insecure about myself. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what a lot of Instagram is, is being jealous and insecure about yourself or trying to prove to everyone else that you are Something someone to be to jealous, be jealous of, or insecure right. of. And it's like, ugh, gross. Nails on chalkboard, vomit. Um, 
So but just, again, it's it's not like a switch. It's like a gradual thing that happens where it's creeping up on you and you don't even realize that you're trying to portray this. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're not going on and posting like, well, this picture will make me look like I'm doing this and this one person, well, sometimes you might be thinking this one person will see it and think I'm this, this, and this, which isn't the case. Like you got to step back and think like, is this real or like, what am I trying to convey with this mm-hmm. picture? And is it necessary to post it to the world kind of thing. And if there's somebody that you follow that like every time you see their posts, like you feel bad about yourself or you feel jealous, you don't have to follow them. And if it's someone who you are actually friends with and you do like mute have them. to follow them, the mute button is a beautiful button. Yeah. It's a wonderful button. You can mute stories and you can mute posts. And sometimes there are people that are in my close circles or people I work with that I want to support them by following their account and I want to you know you don't want to cause any drama yeah I don't want them to see that I'm not following them and then be like why offended but their posts make me feel bad about myself or they annoy me or I just like (laughs) it's whatever you can mute them and they're none the wiser and you can save yourself a little sanity so that's just like don't feel guilty about muting or unfollowing people if Mm -hmm. like it their content doesn't make you feel good about yourself or doesn't make you feel like excited or cool or like wow, like, I'm happy for them. They're doing something really cool. Instead, you feel like, wow, I am so much less. I hate my life. It's kind of like the Marie Kondo method, you know? Does it spark joy? If not, yeah. (laughs) And replace those people that you are unfollowing or muting. Replace them with visual art or performing art or things related to your hobby, your passions. If you love action figurines, follow some accounts for action figurines. If you love pottery, follow some accounts for pottery. If you love... Give me, throw me something. Throw me a bone here. Tangerines. Tangerines. Follow some, you know. Er- oh, Trader Joe's list. Great resource for Trader Joe's products. <laughs> yeah. Or like inspirational quote pages or things about like, I follow like HuffPost women and like things that like inspire like feminism and women's empowerment and things like that. And if you Issues can, that you're passionate about. If you can get, you know, your timeline to have things for your hobbies, passions, inspirational quotes, uh, things for your career, styling tips if you're uh, into fashion, and get some of those filtered in with a lot of the curated posts that you see, I think you're going to like the social media sphere a lot more. Um, I think also a problem that comes with comparison is when you think of comparison, you like first might just think of looking at pictures of mega influencers or whatever and comparing yourselves to them. But I think a big thing too is comparing yourself to old pictures of you or like your old posts or like Sierra, every time you open your time hop app and you're like, oh my God, five years ago today, like I was peeling vegetables in this yard. Like remember this house, you know what I mean? Like you remember all the good things and you remember your own highlight reel and it almost makes you forget like that sense of nostalgia of looking at your old posts. Like you're forgetting your own and you were there, like it's your post Mm -hmm. and you're forgetting like the shitty things that were behind it or like the tough parts of that time in your life or whatever it is. And then you romanticize those old versions of you or like, oh, my body looks so much better at this time or whatever it is. Or like, oh, I was so successful when I was in this job or old pictures that you're seeing where like stalking yourself on social media. Like I think we've all gotten sucked into the rabbit hole sometimes of just like scrolling down on your own feed and you're just like, what am I doing? Like why? And it's, it's tough because you, you romanticize the old times, you mm-hmm. know? And, and you you go back to, like, where you thought your timeline would be at that time and mm-hmm. then, like, where your timeline is now and then you compare yourself to, like, the timelines of all these other people that, like, have a job by now, are married by now, have met, so, you know, like, all XYZ. these things and whatever it is and you're like, well, why don't I have that? Like, they have a significant other and they have this great high-paying job and they have 
a nice house and why don't I have that? Why, where's my timeline? And you're just like, you know what? Like all of our timelines are different and the struggles that they're going through, maybe they don't even want to be in that house, but they posted it as if they did. Or maybe, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know. I'm just saying that like, I definitely hear you or like recently I was thinking back on like something sparked these memories of high school. I think it was Facebook asked me to be an admin for all these page like old groups. Oh, they did I was that to in. me too. I, I think was it was like, like a new. Fuck no, I don't want to be an admin for my high school graduation. No, year. I got all these random groups I was in in like high school and college, like you know, senior prank twenty thirteen, and I was like, do you want to be an admin? And I was like, no. Um, but I think they're gonna archive a bunch of these groups if they don't have an admin, so they ask everyone in the group if they want to be an admin. I should go back and see who said yes to the admin for. Well, I get, I was reminded of like twenty different groups, so. I I was, I obviously, I clicked on and I went through them and went, read through all the post memories I didn't even know I had about high school. And I got really nostalgic and I was like, oh, I remember those days playing tennis at Riverdale High School and my tennis person was this and we did this. And And then you stop and you're like, wait, I hated high school. Yeah. And I look back and I was like having all these feelings like, wow, I'm so old and high school was, I was so young and carefree. And then I looked back and I like thought back and I was like, wait a minute, like I'm seeing these highlights and I'm remembering these fun times and selectively forgetting all of the bad times and all Mm -hmm. the times I cried and times in pain and times where I was left out to dry, times where I struggled with school, times of like all these things. And I'm just like, you just got to kind of take a deep breath and take some pressure off yourself and realize that it's just not all as serious as your mind wants it to seem. Yeah. Okay. So we got some questions when we asked on Instagram about how you react to negative comments and criticism and everything like that. And I want to say like, obviously that's a big part of it, especially when you have maybe an online presence that's beyond just your people that know you in real life or whatever. And it's definitely, it comes with the territory and you kind of build a thick skin from it, like getting negative comments. And I was getting that from a relatively young age in high school. And I don't know, I feel like there's not necessarily one thing I can tell you that'll just like make negative thoughts or negative comments just not affect you anymore. But I think the main thing is what I tell myself is don't take criticism from people you wouldn't go to for advice. I love that quote. And it's it's hard because you might get pelted in all your decisions and all of your this and that and little things too that you're doing, um, that you're posting online. Like you'll get backlash from people and you're like, I didn't even think that anyone would notice that, let alone like find issue with it, you know? Mm-hmm. And you kind of have to find a balance between taking valid criticism and, you know, looking inward and being honest with yourself and saying, does this person have a point? Is there something I could do better and doing better from that? And at a point, just letting it roll off your back and knowing when it's not constructive and when you don't need to take that person's advice because you don't, you wouldn't go to them in your daily life. It's just a random screen name on the internet and there's no sense in dwelling on it because it's not someone, it's not like someone you respect in your real life that you would actually like worry about their opinion. Like you have to be selective about whose opinions or you're going to let in and let beyond that wall of affecting you and changing how you make decisions or something. So that's one thing that I would say when it comes to negative comments, but honestly, it just takes time. And especially in the beginning, when you start getting those from random people, it is really hard. It's like, it feels like you're being egged and everyone's mm-hmm. like watching you and you're like, what? I, I didn't know that this was, and it's just one thing I want to say about it is that this is not natural. Like this amount of criticism and on the flip side, social approval and praise and positive comments too. Like it's not natural for humans to be getting all of these opinions of outside people that don't know them all over the world. Like thousands of people commenting on your life and your choices. Like 
humans weren't designed for that. And we are, our brains are not made for getting all of the feedback of everyone in the world. You know, obviously mm-hmm. I don't have everyone in the world following me, but you know what I'm saying? Like, Well, some people do. Like some of those giant celebrities that have, you know, two, tens of millions yeah, of followers. 200 and, million followers. And you're like... And I'm sure they don't even read their comments because oh, why how would could, you? How could you? It would <laughs> yeah. destroy you inside. I mean, a lot of big YouTubers that have content that people want to dissect everything they do that just have their comments turned off all the time because they probably just can't handle it. And yeah. I, I don't blame them. And YouTube comments have gotten like very brutal. Um, but yeah, I, even I was listening to a congresswoman speak at my co-working space earlier this year before Corona. And she was saying, someone asked her about like, I don't remember what she asked, but it was something about like Twitter or something like that. And the congresswoman was like, girl, if I read my Twitter mentions, I would just spend all day crying inside and I have more important things to do. Like Mm -hmm. ultimately, like you can't waste your energy on a ton of conflicting random opinions from people that you wouldn't. And I'm not saying like, obviously I really value my followers opinions and like want to hear their feedback and comments on my videos. And like, I care about the people who listen to me and, you know, follow me and such, but there is a line of letting that control your life too much. Yeah, and there's also, you can tell a difference when someone is genuinely giving you feedback. Like, hey, like when you said this in a video, you know, I noticed that that made me feel this way. I would love for you to consider. I mean, there's a big difference in that and saying like, Christy, you're dumb, blah, blah, blah. Like somebody who's just like... Or like things that they think are fine and it's like, oh, those pants are so ugly on you. Like you should try this kind of cut for your body type or like things like that when it's like... It's not your place. I don't know. I feel like there's just people are feel like they're entitled to voicing all of their opinions when in reality, like there's it's just no one wants to hear that. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, you definitely like people on the Internet. You think your place is or you don't. I don't. But like people can think that their place is everywhere because you can hide behind a screen. Like the things you people say online is classic trope. You would never say to someone in in person. And Mm -hmm. I think that's really true that like you know, people just feel like they're protected behind their screen so they can say whatever they think, whatever they want. And a lot of the time it is their own projected insecurities too. And you don't know what's going on in their life. And people, it's, it's just hurt people hurt people. And like, they probably are going through something really tough and then they lash out at a random person online and they don't think anything of it. But then it affects you for reading their opinion that might not even be their objective opinion because they're like pissed off about something that happened to them. And it's just, yeah, there's a lot of layers. And um, I don't know, there's been times where I just don't even want to read my comments because obviously I love the positive feedback and I really value those people that are supporting me and I love interacting with you, but there are, sometimes I'll be reading those and it's great and then I get one comment that's just slightly rubs me the wrong way and it just, it flips my mood. Like it shouldn't, it's not natural for us to get And then you like don't want to read your comments anymore. Yeah, and you just, it affects your whole day sometimes. Like even with podcast reviews, like we get so many like, heartwarming, Mm -hmm. thoughtful, caring, really nice reviews that I, in the beginning especially, like I was so excited when we got a new one and I'd read them. And then I would read one negative review and it would just throw it all off for me. So that's when you have to just know like, okay, I got to step back and like stop seeking the validation from other people's opinions. And I think that's the thing. It's like you can't let the negative ones bring you down but you also can't let all the positive feedback get to your head in some instances like I think there's a lot like you shouldn't be affected one way or the other by people's comments because you should be getting your validation and it's easier said than done again but when you're getting your validation from yourself when you know who you are you're confident in yourself when you're getting it from your close friendships from your family and things that are offline those things will affect you less 
And so you have to focus on where you really want to draw your validation from and don't find it in random people's comments online is what I would say. So sorry, I had a lot to say on that, but I think it is so prevalent, especially in the age of 2020 when everyone is hurting and everyone is struggling in some way. Like there is a lot more online um, backlash people are getting or criticism or, you know, like people are just lashing out more and social media has been a very tough place, especially this Mm -hmm. year. But again, like it's just reflecting how people are feeling in their lives. This is one of the questions we got, which is like, how do you be real on social media without oversharing? And I don't know, like I, I'm really big into like real talk on social media. Being vulnerable. Like separate from like photos and photo editing, like that's, I'm not even talking about that right now. I'm talking about like being real with what's really going on in your life and not hesitating to be honest and vulnerable when something crappy is happening in your life or when you're struggling, when your mental health is struggling. Like I, I like don't ever get embarrassed talking about those things. Like, Mm -hmm. but that's just me. I know I have some friends who are more private about those things who don't want to share. But for example, like when I shared the other day about how I like had a mental breakdown and I was crying all morning and then my computer broke and I was having the worst day I think there are some people that would never dream of sharing that. Like, to them, that's, like, that's my business. I don't want to talk about that. Like, I don't want to share that. But I I don't feel that way. I've always been more of an open book with people. And so I shared that. And um, I got so much feedback of people saying, like, wow, like, thanks so much for saying that. Like, I've been going through the worst time and that made me feel not so alone. You know, any of these things, just, like, destigmatizing mental health and bad days and struggles and um, relationship problems. And and I I do understand when there is a a line of sharing too much to the point where you might um, share something that wasn't yours to share about somebody in your life or like people, you know, especially on this podcast, we have to be really careful that like there are stories in our lives that we want to share because I want this podcast to be open and honest and vulnerable but sometimes stories in my life aren't just about me and Mm -hmm. they involve other people and I want to share them but you have to be careful that you don't share someone else's story without their permission um yeah it's a really important lesson to learn and uh so I definitely can understand how oversharing can happen and I but I think that if the intention of where it's coming from is good then it's not so bad. Like if the intention of where it's coming from is not like, well, I just want to share everything about my day because I want to present that I'm like this perfect person. That's one thing. But the other type is like, well, I'm going through a really hard time and I want to share that for maybe because I want people to reach out and talk with me, maybe because I want to tell people that they're not alone and maybe because I just want to vent that my life sucks right now. And like Mm -hmm. for all those reasons, I feel like if the intention behind it is good, then like it's okay. Again, I feel like it's just personal. Like it's your idea of oversharing is probably completely different than someone else's because some person might be completely uncomfortable with anyone even knowing their last name versus like you don't mind telling them everything that happened with like, I don't know, the person fixing your computer that did this, this, I don't know. I think oversharing is relative is the first thing. So that's tough. And for me, it's like, I don't, it's not that I don't want to be vulnerable online, but it's that I don't like bringing people down. I don't like, even in my real life, I don't like burdening other people with my problems. So I often just keep things in or I like won't talk to people about them because I don't like complaining or like bringing people down or like, I don't know. I just, I don't like that. And I wouldn't want anyone to feel like, 
oh my god, this girl on YouTube is just going on and on about how, and especially, like, I feel like my problems aren't real problems. Like, it feels like I don't want people thinking, oh, this girl thinks she has it bad with her complaining and her problems. Like, I don't want, you know what I mean? Like, I do, but I, I feel very strongly, like, against that because I just feel like that does you such a disservice because I feel like, and I don't mean to say this to criticize you in any way, but it's such a common thing that I think a lot of people feel is they don't want to burden people with their problems. They don't want to bring people down. But what ends up happening on that is you end up putting too much on yourself that you try to work through on your own or you try to solve on the inside while on the outside you're presenting something different. And I feel like that can hurt yourself. And it also sometimes can hurt maybe the people that follow you because it doesn't seem like you ever have anything bad happen to you. No, no, I definitely think that. And I'm not saying, I'm saying in terms of social media, that's why I wouldn't normally do that because I don't like putting that on other people. And I'm not saying that that's a good thing or that we should aspire to that, but I'm just saying that like, I go to people on YouTube and such because I like the feeling of an escape. And I think a lot of people, especially at the beginning of Corona, like a lot of people were saying they didn't want to talk about the virus because they wanted their social media or their channel or whatever to be an escape for people who didn't have to be thinking about it all the time. And it could go there and mm -hmm. be like a happy place. But yeah, it's like, it's tough because where do you draw the line of it being, you know, a place that lifts you up in like videos that you watch and you feel more calm or you feel more motivated or happy watching versus like being real and authentic and not just thinking that that person has everything together all the time. Right. So and that's where do you find the balance. And it's that's tough. something that I, I found a lot of freedom in being vulnerable on my channel in the last couple years. And it, it also, I mean, it came down to even my tone of voice. Like, I mean, people like in my life, my close friends have always told me I used to have this like customer service voice and yeah. sometimes it comes out, but it's like where I'm like, hi, I'm Sierra. Oh my gosh, my day is going amazing. And, and people are like, is that you? Like, who who is that that's talking right now? Because like, that's not you. Because when yeah. I'm talking to a friend, normally I talk like this, Yeah. you know? But I was presenting all the time like, oh, I have to be this upbeat, chipper, perfect person all the time. And I didn't want to share when bad things were happening with me, but then I started sharing and I just felt like I never felt like I was burdening other people because the people that wanted to reach out to like send comforting texts or messages or advice. like or advice or whatever yeah. were the type that were drawn to do that. And mm -hmm. some people are drawn to helping others and they don't see it as work. They see it as fun. Like some people really like when people are going through a hard time, and I don't mean that in a, in a weird way, I just mean but that it makes them feel better to help someone else. Yeah, and they like to provide advice and wisdom and comfort or like literally just videos of puppies doing cute stuff. Like it makes them feel like they're helping a friend, even if it's just a person you don't know on the internet. Mm -hmm. And it also can help just really help people who are going through a hard time. Like on, I guess I looked at my channel differently during the pandemic just because I'm such a believer in like wanting people to not feel alone and wanting people to not feel like they're the only ones going through th something, especially yeah. because I have the privilege of having a platform that I can share and say, this is what's hard for me. I'm going through this. I'm struggling with this. And then people who don't necessarily have that or are more private people feel like, oh, wow, there's somebody on the internet who's at least telling me I'm not alone without me having to talk about it. Mm -hmm. But it, that doesn't it mean- It is comforting. That doesn't mean that my channel is right and your channel is wrong because I don't think someone coming to my channel would feel an escape from reality and that they'd feel like, oh, well, this is very much a reflection of society. What's mm -hmm. going on? And that doesn't mean one right or one wrong. They're just different styles of doing it. I just, I always care about you so much that I would not want you to feel like that by you expressing 
struggles in your life or that you saying I'm struggling with this like can we talk about it that would never burden me down because to me it's more of a burden to think you're struggling on your own than to share a problem with me and have me help you work through it yeah no and I definitely don't think I really do that on my channel like I do I'm not hiding things necessarily I do talk about you know when things are more tough time to time and like things I'm going through but not I just don't get super I don't know. I guess I just know that some people like go into extreme detail and like share everything online and that's mm -hmm. just not me. And I think it's yeah. okay to be selective with what you put online, especially because like, I don't know, it's just, it's hard because everything's so intertwined now and like businesses and companies are going to be, that you're applying to are going to be like looking at your social media now. Totally. And it's like, it's not necessarily just a safe space of random people that don't know you who are there to offer support and advice. And it's not like you kind of have to think of everyone who's going to see it which is tough because you're catering to all these different audiences of like well I don't want to bring these people down but I also want to look professional for these people but then I don't want to look fake by hiding my real totally. feelings so it's it's just a balancing act that I think we're all always kind of trying to figure out somebody always has it worse than you and someone yeah. always has it better than you but that doesn't mean that your problems aren't problems and mm -hmm. I think that it, having perspective is so important and with my whole laptop thing I was thinking last night of all the ways it could have gone so much worse to make myself feel better? What if it had gotten stolen? What if I was mugged? What if I'd had my phone stolen as well? What if I didn't have a laptop to use like Jason's? Like what if, you know, all these things that could have made the situation so much worse. And that did make me feel better, but I didn't do it in a way that's like, come on, Sierra, shape up. You shouldn't be sad right now. It could have been so much worse. It's instead like, no, okay, I can be sad. Like I talked about in the rejection thing. You take your moment to like be bummed and be like, yeah, this sucks for me. But, you know, a little perspective sometimes can help you pick up the pieces and move forward. Yeah. So I think that's that's kind of my spin on that. So just before we wrap up this episode, we have a couple of extra questions that we got from the Instagram. So again, if you aren't following us, go follow us at Fingers Cross Pod, where we always post little polls, questionnaires, you name it, about adding your feedback to this podcast and your questions. But um, one of them is, when would you let your kids join social media? And based on this conversation we just had, I'm like, never, ever. <laughs> like that's, it's so toxic. Um, I was allowed to join social media. Well, I got my Facebook at 12. And then when, when did Instagram come out? High school, junior so, year. 16? Yeah. Okay. So like 12 and 16. Um, I feel like so many kids today have Instagrams way before 16, obviously, because... There's, like, famous six-year-olds. <laughs> I know. And first of all, I am never doing that. Would you not put your kids on social media? I think I, there are, there's... Okay, there's a difference. There are some accounts where the parents will post the kids on their account, on, like, the parents' account in, like, family-related context. Like, here's our family at the pumpkin patch. Here's our family at this, you know, this cute... Ice skating rink. Ice skating rink. Like, yeah, here's our family doing this. Or here's a really cute picture of my daughters holding hands on the beach. Like, that kind of stuff I would post and I think is okay. But I just don't like the trend of having, like, an Instagram account that is for your child that's all pictures of your child and, like, photo shoots, outfits, like non-organic settings that's like, and you make money off of it and make your- And then you like comment on it as if you didn't post it. I would say I probably wouldn't like put my kid on social media much. Yeah. And I, I don't know, like it's hard because again, it is so intertwined and it's kind of like that, are you protecting them from it versus depriving them of like being involved in- or you like know, if like all their friends have yeah, Instagrams, I don't so want hard. them to be left out. But at the same time, it I don't want their entire 
sense you of self to be warped growing models up. that are like yeah warping their pictures and all of that we'll update new episode <laughs> 10 years from now we'll update you guys. i was watching the social dilemma on netflix which is there it's a documentary that just came out that i would definitely recommend to everyone to watch when i posted about um this episode i got recommended or the podcast instagram someone dm'd mm-hmm. us and i watched it and they talked about they were interviewing former executives at big tech companies like Google, Facebook, whatever. And they asked them in the movie, like, do you let your kids have social media? And they're like, absolutely not. Like, we don't let them have phones. Like, we don't let them have anything. And that was like their livelihood. And they built those things and they know exactly how they work. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, It's a weird world, but I don't have an answer. (laughs) Yeah, I, I... Not early. That's that's for sure. Not yeah. early. And I would be very cautious about their screen time. Last question um, before we wrap up this super long episode is, would you slash have you taken a social media detox? How do you do it? Do you recommend? Um, I've always kind of wanted to, and I've taken like little tiny detoxes as far as like, oh, I'm not going to post for a little bit. I've never like deleted my accounts or anything, but it's hard because like we talked about in the beginning of this episode, like my work is linked to my social media and I know yours is the Mm -hmm. same way. So it's kind of hard to be like, oh, I'm going to take a social media detox because that's also taking like a work break. I set up like a a notice on my phone that will tell me if I spend an hour on Instagram that day, I get a notice. And if I get that, I try to, I try to take a break or like, you know, be aware of my daily usage. Yeah. I don't think I've ever done, I don't know. I'm not very much of an all or nothing person. Like Mm -hmm. I know some people are like, I do everything this way and I go hard and then it's over. And then I'm doing this all the way opposite. You know, I'm like, I'm kind of like a clean as you go kind of person in life. So I would say I've never done like a, I'm not going to use this for two weeks, cold turkey. I just am very self-aware in that, especially this year when things have been like very tough and there's been a lot of like hard news. I've just been more conscious of myself and my limits and just if I'm realizing like okay I'm refreshing Instagram too much I'm posting too much and I'm not in the moment I'll just take a step back and just stop opening it and take a minute and not post the entire weekend or something or longer week or just be more conscious of it and um, then I feel so much better like I remember there was one particular, I think it was Memorial Day weekend when I just didn't go on Instagram at all hardly. And it made a difference. Like I think, you know, you don't have to necessarily delete the app unless that's like the only way you can control yourself to not go on it. But just be mindful and check in with yourself, I'd say. Like every couple of weeks, just have a check in and be like, okay, is this benefiting me? Do I need to step back? And I think it's a detox. It's a personal thing. Like just know yourself. If you do need to delete it and take two weeks off, like good you know, go with your gut. Um, but if you can just monitor yourself and like day to day, you know, set it down, then do what's good for you. Yeah. I think oftentimes with anything, when it comes to, um, changing our habits, dieting, um, getting off social media more, going for doing more exercise. When we make these really huge lofty goals for ourselves, we do it like really well for three days. And then we're like, this is too hard. And we quit. And it's we too don't. Extreme. It's too extreme. And it's going from zero to 60. So, uh, small goals are a great way to get there. Like be like, okay, well, I'm going to limit my social media to this much time per day or starting, you know, with anything, like I'm going to walk 20 minutes a day, like realistic goals instead of crazy things. So instead of doing yeah, all or nothing, maybe just try and limit a little more per day or say, I'm going to, you know, I'll check it, see if I have any notifications, scroll for five minutes, set a timer and then turn it off. Yeah. And even like this year, I've been a lot more conscious of just realizing that I don't need to post everything I'm doing. And the internet doesn't need to know every time I leave my house. Like, it doesn't matter. And it's kind of freeing, especially, like, 
times when like when I came to LA and I just wasn't posting that I was here Mm -hmm. it was just refreshing to like remind myself that I don't need to be sharing everything I'm doing every second and it's you can have some you can have some cool cool stuff for yourself it's like inside jokes with people in your real life like the internet doesn't know you were doing you know what I mean like it's just it feels more like you feel like your life is more yours in a sense that feels like dramatic to say that no but But it makes sense it just feels more it's, it's just satisfying, I guess, to know that you don't have to be posting everything. And I know that not everyone is like that, but I think we're so ingrained, especially with like the social media culture we have and, you know, with us monetizing it and having jobs that relate to it and everything. Like it's definitely a tough line. Yeah, I think that's pretty much what, we have so much to say on this topic. We didn't even get to everything that we wrote down. But thank you so much for listening to this episode of Fingers Crossed. Uh, we definitely hope to cover more stuff regarding yeah. social media in the future. Like we definitely, Wanted to focus this one more on the culture of comparison and, you know, knowing yourself and what's healthy for you and your social media usage, especially as it relates to Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is more we want to expand on in the future. Um, So again, like with many of our episodes, there may be a part two to this coming uh, (laughs) to be determined. But thank you so much for listening. And as always, check us out on Instagram at Fingers Crossed Pod. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we would love if you would give us a review and rate us five stars like your favorite uber driver that's our running joke and do something today that makes someone feel good that's off of social media so hope you guys enjoyed the episode let us know on our instagram if you want to hear any other topics related to social media and we'll see you next week thanks for listening bye-bye keep your fingers crossed